Thank you for that song. Alright, go ahead and take your Bibles and go to the 23rd Psalm. This morning, Psalms chapter 23. Psalms chapter 23. I hope you all will forgive me ahead of time this morning, but I just I feel like I need to just kind of really just preach something out of me. And I tell you, I'm just I'm getting kind of tired of the world and all the wickedness that's going on out there. I just I mean it seems like every week I'll hear about something on the news that just infuriates me and disgusts me at this world and I just I just pray, Lord, will you please hurry up and return and get us out of this mess. This world this world's wicked. I mean it's just absolutely wicked what is going on in this world. And at the same time, it was to me more disturbing because I guess you expect the world to be wicked. But even what goes on in Christianity, Christianity today, it makes absolutely no sense. And you know, I was maybe it's just me. I was sheltered. I grew up being taught that the Bible was the final authority. That you know everything that we believe is based on the Word of God. And so when I read something in the Word of God, I, I take it serious. I take it literal. I, I believe. I believe what it says. And most of what we're hearing these days, coming from pulpits, it just doesn't line up with all the Scripture. And all the Bible, it's got to be rightly divided. In other words, you can't one Scripture cannot contradict another Scripture. It's not going to. It all has to fit together. Whenever you are reading the Bible and studying the Bible, you got to look at it and it's all got to fit together. God doesn't do double talk. He wasn't trying to confuse us. But boy, man sure will if you're not careful. And we're going to read the 23rd Psalm. And you think, well, this doesn't seem like... This is not a passage normally used for what some maybe would call a mean message. And listen, there's absolutely nothing mean-spirited about what I'm going to say. In fact, I was saying in Sunday school, if I could preach something to every Christian in Rock Falls or every Christian in the world, if I had that opportunity... This, I think I'd want to preach this message here. I think this is what needs to be heard. It's so important and so neglected. And at the same time, too, this one of the, the key verses that we see in this passage, this is one of the most well-known passages in all the Bible. And there's many great promises in this chapter that are often used to comfort people, especially going through difficult times. And it's an appropriate chapter for that. It's probably one of the most quoted Scriptures because so many people have it memorized. And in each verse in this chapter, you will hear it talked about quite a bit, especially in things like funerals, which is completely appropriate. And I totally agree with. But I want to focus on one verse in here that I think is probably the least talked about verse in this whole chapter. And it's a key verse for us to be able to claim the promises in this chapter. I think we all know the 23rd Psalm, but we're going to read it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful 
passage of Scripture that is. I, that, I, I love that passage of Scripture. But the verse I want us to focus on today is in verse 3. It says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Boy, we all love to be able to claim that part about the Lord being our shepherd. I shall not want we like that. We like all that promises of lying down in green pastures. But notice that the Lord is your shepherd. He is going to be leading you in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. And we'll get into what that's talking about. But the paths of righteousness, I want to focus on that for a little bit. Because righteous, what does it mean to be righteous? Well, to be righteous means to be innocent. And the truth is, when it, there is none righteous when it comes to sinless perfection. A lot of times when preachers talk about righteousness and encourage people to be righteous, well then somebody will claim, hey, well the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. Yes, when it comes to sinless perfection, we all are guilty of sin. Everyone in here is guilty of sin. And everyone in here, everyone in this world, at some point they need to acknowledge that sin and they need to call on Christ for salvation. There's none righteous when it comes to sinless perfection. We all are guilty. But, there are areas in here today where I believe everyone, hopefully everyone in here is righteous. For example, if you've never murdered anyone, then you are righteous in that area. You are righteous concerning the commandment of thou shalt not kill. You've never murdered anyone. In that area, you are righteous. And so, uh, there are, and God leads us in the paths of righteousness. He wants us to be innocent of certain things. There's certain sins that we, I mean, never ought to touch, never ought to be involved in. And unfortunately, people, that's one thing people don't want to hear about today. They don't want to hear preaching about sin and following the paths of righteousness. But if the Lord is your shepherd, He's going to lead you on those paths of righteousness. And if you, so if you never, so hopefully everybody in here today, it's like if you're, if you are guilty in this one, uh, you might want to let the authorities know. That'd probably be the right thing to do so they can, uh, deal with you appropriately in that area. But, um, but at the same, since you are innocent, since you are righteous in the area of murder, you don't have to deal with the consequence of, consequences of being guilty of that sin. Psalms chapter 7 verse 8 says, The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity that is in me. He tells God here to judge him according to his righteousness. Now, if he wasn't righteous, why would he say that? Because here he's he's innocent. Lord, judge me according to my innocence. I'm innocent in this area. I haven't I haven't done this. I am righteous concerning this dear God and judge me according to that. And when you are righteous, that's a wonderful thing about it, you don't have to deal with the consequences of those sins. I don't have to sit here today and worry. You know, a while back heard about the bank getting robbed. Okay, When the news got out about that, I didn't panic. I didn't think, well, I hope they don't, I hope they don't find out it was me. You know why? Because I'm righteous in that area. Not only did I not rob the bank, I've never robbed the bank before and I'm not sitting there. I don't have to sit around worrying about getting caught from something I did in my past in that area. I'm righteous in that area. I didn't, I didn't do that. And I know we live in an imperfect world. Sometimes people get accused of things that they were righteous in. They were, they, uh, that they didn't do. But that's pretty rare. 
And the truth is, when you are righteous, you don't have to you don't have to worry about it. So I'm not panicking, wondering if I'm going to falsely get accused of killing somebody. Uh, it's not it's not a concern. But the paths of righteousness, the key to claiming the promises in the 23rd Psalm that everybody seems to want to claim is being on the paths of righteousness. Notice the first those first verses: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters; He restoreth my soul. All those things. The Lord, if the Lord is your shepherd, He's leading you in the paths of righteousness. He's going to take care of the things that you need. He's going to people like I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about wanting anything. All my needs are going to be provided for. They're all going to be taken care of. Yes, if you are on the paths of righteousness. But if you're not on the paths of righteousness, you can't really claim that. If you were, if you just went and were at the casino the other day and you gambled away all your money, well, that certainly isn't righteous. And you know what? You may be wanting. You may not be able to pay those bills. You might not be able to take care of those needs because you have not been on the paths of righteousness. Psalms chapter 37, verse 25 says, I have been young and am now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Now, there's a lot of people begging bread out there. And there's a lot of people that seem to be forsaken, but not the righteous. I, I'm still young, I guess. I'm only 33 years old. I haven't been old yet, but I haven't seen this. The psalmist says, I've been young and I'm now old. I've not seen this with the righteous. Those who are righteous, those who are innocent, they can claim these promises if they follow the Lord's leadership, if they are on the paths of righteousness, I shall not want. He restoreth my soul. Verse uh, verse 3a says that um, that restoring the soul, it's God that gives us strength. It's God that gives us what we need to get through and to face our tomorrows and face those difficulties we have because nowhere even in this 23rd Psalm do we see that we're guaranteed a life free from problems. Okay, There are, and even for the righteous, there are difficulties that are going to come up. There's challenges. There's pain and sorrow that comes. But the Lord's with us during all of those. We have that we can claim. And the Lord will restore our souls. Isaiah 40, verse 28. If you want to go ahead and take your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. I want to read this passage of Scripture to you. A wonderful passage of Scripture. It says, Hast thou not known... Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of His understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. I love that verse. He giveth power to the faint. I've been there before. I've been tired. I've been wore out. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Notice that in that verse, you know, he giveth strength to the weary. And there's people that are weary, and sometimes even preachers, they'll try to tell people, you know, the Lord will give you strength, but they're living wicked lives. I'm sorry, that doesn't apply. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Some people, that waiting on the Lord is not easy. And sometimes they will turn from righteousness. Maybe they're thinking, how am I going to pay my bills? I don't know I'm going to pay my bills. And they're waiting on the Lord. But then they turn to unrighteousness. They turn to robbery. 
and turn to stealing. Well, now that they've left that path of righteousness, they have no guarantee of that mounting up with wings as eagles. They have no guarantee that the Lord is going to renew their strength and give strength to them. In fact, there's a very good possibility that they're going to go to jail because they left the paths of righteousness. They left the path that the Lord who they claim was their shepherd was leading them on. If the Lord is your shepherd, He's going to lead you on the paths of righteousness. You're not going to be going. You're not going to go down that road. You're not going to take that route and you can you still can as a Christian you can still sin we're capable of anything but you can't do it and still claim the promises of Psalms chapter 23 Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that's uh, so another wonderful comforting verse right there. But notice how he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Okay, he's telling us my yoke is easy, my burden's light, but that means we are following, we're taking his yoke. We're learning from him. I'm sorry, but that stealing, you didn't learn that from Jesus. That cursing and swearing, that you didn't learn that from Jesus Christ. He taught to love your neighbor. He taught you to turn the other cheek. He taught you to love your enemies. That's not what Jesus did. That dishonesty, that lying, you didn't learn that from Jesus. And listen, there's consequences for those things. People, you know, they think they can go and they can lie and steal and be dishonest and cheat, and everything turn out wonderful for them because God said his yoke is easy and his burden's light, but you didn't take his yoke upon you. You didn't learn of him. You didn't learn that from God. You learned that from the devil. Therefore, Psalms twenty three, I'm sorry. It's not applying to you unless you get on, you start following his leadership and you get on those paths of righteousness. The valley of the shadow of death. I love that verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The valley of the shadow of death, that's not a good place to be. Once again, this passage of Scripture it does not promise that even a person on the paths of righteousness is never going to have problems. We're all going to have challenges. We're all going to have difficulties. However, if we're on the paths of righteousness, if the Lord is your shepherd, then you don't have to fear those things. They can come your way, but they're not going to defeat you. They're not going to destroy you. The valley of the shadow of death, someday, even if you're on the paths of righteousness, you're going to die. But when death comes and takes your body, it's not going to take your soul because the Lord is with you. He's going to take you to heaven. He's going to be there with you. What it's saying here is He's going to go through that with you. We all go through difficult times, but isn't it better when you have somebody with you during those difficult times? When you have somebody there with you to comfort you and just to lift you up and encourage you? It's so much better. And God promises that when those times come for you, He'll be there with you. And thank God for that. We still face difficulties went on the paths of righteousness, but we're never alone. God always comes through. Second Timothy, I've got so much Scripture I could show you. We won't even have time to go into all of it today to back up what I'm talking about. Second Timothy 3.11, Paul's talking, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Paul went through some difficult times, but God delivered him out of 
all of them, he says. Verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But like Paul, God will deliver you. He will be with you during that persecution. He'll get you through that that difficult time. It won't destroy you. But once again, we have to be on the paths of righteousness. We've got to be doing what the Lord says. If you're not on the paths of righteousness and persecution comes, God never promised He's going to be with you during that. It's not there. It's not in the 23rd Psalm. It's not anywhere in the Bible. Verse 26 of Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that almost sounds like a contradiction. Hear me. Doesn't that say right there that only good things are going to follow you all the days of your life? What about those difficulties that come? Does that mean you sin somewhere? Does that mean you strayed? Or is this a contradiction? No. We see in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them, to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. His purpose. You see how He specifies that there? So yes, surely goodness and mercy. Even when difficult times come for us, if you're on the paths of righteousness, difficult times will come, but it's going to, goodness is going to be produced as a result of it. Good things are going to come as a result of it. Pastor Terry Angel preached a message one time, a great message on that passage where he says all things work together for good. And he went and he got the ingredients up there. Of He got some flour. And he said, you know, like flour, if you just eat flour by itself, that's gross. It's not very good. He got a few other ingredients. I don't, I don't know what's all there. I got, you know, what's in, what's in sugar, baking powder, butter. You don't just eat that stuff by yourself, do you? But when you mix it all together, and then you get, you got to kind of put it through the fire. You stick it in the oven. But what it produces something good, doesn't it? It all works together. For something good, and when you're on the paths of righteousness, you're yeah you're going to have some difficult times come. There's going to be some hard times that are going to come your way, but good is going to be produced out of those difficult times. It's surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There's going to be good things that come. Good, I mean, God can make good things come out of. Anything. God can make good things come out of what seem like impossible circumstances. But He puts that in there. He puts that disclaimer in there in Romans 8. To them that love God. How do we know that we love God? It says in 1 John, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, you're on the paths of righteousness. You're on the paths of righteousness. You're innocent. You're doing right. And you say, well, you know, I mean, I, I thought God was merciful. I thought God didn't care, uh, you know, about any of these things. You know, God accepts us for who we are. And yes, when it comes to salvation, God will forgive anything that you've ever done. God loves you, no matter what you've done. Okay, no matter what you, there's nothing you can do. I don't believe to make God love you more than He already does. He sent. His Son to die for your sins. Okay, you can't love somebody more than that. However, we see also in Psalms 23 where it says He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. What's He talking about there? For His namesake. Well, boy, we could preach a whole series of messages on this. Just on the names of God. But I want us to look at one of God's names. Okay, one of God's names. Exodus chapter 34 
verse 14. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14. I want to read this Scripture. We look at one of the many names of God. It says, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, with a capital J, is a jealous God. He, uh, the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God for His name's sake. Listen, God, He's not going to share you with other gods. What is the very first of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Let's look at the beginning there of the Ten Commandments. Look at these first, first parts of these Ten Commandments. Verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water of the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate Me. Who hates God? Well, if you love Him, you keep His commandments. So I'm going to assume if you hate Him, you don't keep His commandments. There's consequences for those who hate God. There's consequences for those who don't keep His commandments because the Lord our God, He is a jealous God. We see that in Exodus 34. We see it in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. You don't have to turn that, but I want to read this passage to you. Verses 35. It says, To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge His people and repent Himself for their servants, when He seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. And He shall say, Where are their gods, their rock, in whom they trusted? which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings, let them rise up and help you and be your protection. See that? Notice how God's talking there? Whenever those difficult times come, He's going to say, where's your God? Those gods that you were following, those other gods that you were serving, where are them? Verse 39, See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God with Me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of My hand. For I lift up My hand to heaven and say, I live forever. God doesn't share. He's not going to share His worship. He doesn't share His glory with anyone. And we see here in this passage where God's going to, with some who decide they're going to go after other gods. If your God is money and you're trusted in money to get you through, well, when those difficult times comes and you call out the God, He may just say to you, wait a minute, where's that, where's that God you've been serving? That God that you've given all your time and all your love and all your affection to? Where is that God? Let Him get you out of this mess you're in. You've been serving the gods of lust, the gods of pleasure, and now you're paying the consequences of it? Why don't you call on them to get you out of this mess that you're in? Why don't you call them to heal you of your diseases and to get you out of these problems? We see God doing that. There's many passages in Proverbs. We don't have time to go to all of them. But Jesus said in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. For His name's sake, the Lord is a jealous God. He does not, He's not going to share His glory with anyone. He's not gonna. He's not gonna do that. His name 
is jealous. But you know something else about his name for his namesake. Another reason that somebody who is not on the path of righteousness cannot claim these promises is because his name is also holy. Because of his holy name. Go to Leviticus chapter 22 in verse 32. You don't have to turn there, but it says, Neither shall ye profane my holy name. But I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord which hallow you. His name is holy. He says, You shall not profane my holy name. To profane means to wound, pollute, or to stain. How do we profane the name of God? Well, those of us who are saved, we claim to be children of God. We bear, we bear His name. My children, they bear my name. Their name their name's McMurtry. There's some things that my kids aren't I don't want them to do them because they're McMurtry's. You're not going to see my kids wearing a Cardinals shirt. Alright? It's not going to happen. They're McMurtry's, okay? We don't we don't like card we don't like Cardinals. And uh, and you know I know that's that's a little thing. But there's some things you're just you're not going to see from them. They they bear my name. And it would if there's certain things, it would drag my name through the gutter. My boys, when they when they grow up, if all of a sudden you're reading their name in the paper all the time in the police reports for you know drunk driving, okay, that that's going to make me look bad as a father, isn't it? And you know, hopefully, uh, you know that's never happened to you. But boy, it's sad when that happens. When somebody with your name it, uh, does something, and it's like, man, what kind of family is that? You ever done that before? I was looking at some statistics for a message I was preparing tonight here in Rock Falls. And uh, one of the things I noticed, it had like statistics for everything. And one of the most common names, uh, had like it said like the most, uh, I guess William is the most popular name uh, in this area. But it said one of the names on the top list, last names, Anderson, I saw was all over. I guess there's a lot of Andersons in this area. I don't know if you're related to all of them. But boy, it wouldn't be embarrassing if you know, you'd see all, maybe... Biggest criminal, you know, is another Anderson. It's like, oh. <laughs> there was a lady in my dad's church years ago. Her name, it was a pretty unique name, and uh, first name and last name. There was another lady in the same area with that same name that was always in the police reports. And this lady, poor lady, she was always getting embarrassed, and people would see that name in there and, like, you know, <laughs> and wonder if it was her. And you know what? As Christians, as Christians, We claim the name of God. We claim the name of Christ. We claim to be followers of Christ. And if we are living totally opposite of what Christ taught, of what He stood for, of what He tried to teach His disciples to do, we're making Him look bad. Really, I mean, many people today who hate Christianity, they don't know the first thing about God. They don't know the first thing about Jesus Christ. But you know why they hate Christianity? is because of His followers. They don't like all these people out there who are claiming to be Christians who aren't living like it one bit. They're making God look bad. Just like David did. When David sinned with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet came to him and he said, you have given the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. Because everyone knew that David was the one that God had chosen to be king over Israel. That David, he was the man after God's own heart. That David was the one who claimed to worship the true God. And David did this horrible sin and it made God look bad. It was totally against what he stood for. 
And God's name is God's name is holy, and that is why He wants us to be He wants us to be doing right. He wants us to follow His ways and to follow those paths of righteousness. They don't get us into heaven. Okay, the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, that's what gets us into heaven. Okay, we're not talking about that. But when it comes to living on earth, when it comes to claiming the blessings of God, to claiming many of the promises that we read about, especially here in Psalms 23, it's all contingent on us being on the paths of righteousness. Go to in Psalms chapter 99 if you want to turn there. Psalms 99. Psalm 99 says, "The Lord reigneth; let the people tremble." He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion and He is high above all the people. Let them praise Thy great and terrible name for it is holy. Our God, He is a terrible God. We see that a lot. Terrible is not used the way we use a lot of times. Like You're just you're terrible. What terrible means actually means it means it's, some, it's a name to be feared. It's a name to be reverenced because of His might, because of His greatness. Exalt, verse 5, Exalt you the Lord our God and worship at His footstool, footstool for He is holy. Notice in verse 3 it says His name, His terrible name for it is holy. Verse 5, for He is holy. We see in verse 9, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill for the Lord our God is holy. We sang the song, Holy, Holy, Holy. We have a holy God. We represent a holy God. And for us to stray off the paths of righteousness, for us to be guilty of these all these things that we read in the Bible that God has told us not to do, it totally goes against everything that we should be standing for. It goes everything against God. It goes against His very name. It says, For He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Many times we think too much about our own name. When we think about ourselves, we need to be thinking about who we represent. And when you hear messages like this just about the importance of righteousness and about how important it is to stay away from sin and about how important it is to be innocent, sometimes people, someone might, some might say, well, you're forgetting about something very important here. You're forgetting about grace. And grace... Definitely a wonderful thing. We are. We're we're saved by grace. I'll say, you know, we're saved by grace. It has nothing to do with your righteousness. I'm not talking about salvation here. Okay, I'm talking to people who are saved. That's why I said if I could preach to every saved person in Rock Falls. If I'm preaching to the lost, I'm going to preach to them about salvation, about the grace of God. But I'm preaching I believe I'm talking to saved people here today. And a lot of times people say, Well, by the grace of God I am what I am today. It's not by your righteousness. Didn't say that either. I haven't forgotten about grace. Remember, grace is unmerited favor. No one ever said that those who call on the name of the Lord and that have faith. That we see in the Bible is how we get saved. We're saved by grace through faith. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not saying that people who do that deserve salvation. When you called on Christ for salvation and when you had faith, that didn't make you deserve it. Okay? We still didn't deserve it. It took grace to save you. It took something that you didn't deserve. And I'm not saying that those who are on the paths of righteousness deserve the blessings of God and deserve the promises of God. They still need grace. You still need grace. We all have to have grace 
in our lives. This is we are not talking about being deserving. I don't deserve the blessings of God. I don't deserve the oxygen that I, that the Lord allows me to breathe. I don't deserve any of that. I don't deserve this church, and I don't deserve my family that God has given me. I don't deserve any of that. I'm well aware of that. It's grace. God still had to show me grace. But that does not take away the fact that when God saved me, when the Lord became my shepherd, it doesn't change the fact that it was His will for me. It was His will, the Bible says in Ephesians, before the foundations of the world, that we would be conformed into the image of His Son. When God saved us, He saved it. It was supposed to have changed us. It was supposed to have made us more like Him. And it's, a, it's an ongoing process. We are a work in progress. None of us in here are just like Christ yet. But we're supposed to be working on it. We're supposed to be getting more and more like Him until that day comes where we see Him. And when we see Him, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We're not there yet, but we're supposed to be on that path to righteousness. And one thing that we cannot do is just start ignoring so much of what the Bible says about sin. There's so many there's so many wonderful promises in the Bible and we hear these promises all the time but we see they come to those when there there's certain things you do. There's many people who want to claim the financial blessings that God promises but yet they forget about Malachi where it talks about robbing God and your tithes and offerings. If you're robbing God, well that's that's stealing, okay? Then you're you can't claim that promise. You're not on the paths of righteousness. We see that and there's so many other examples that we can give. I mean, where there if when we do right, when we are innocent, then God can bless us. God can use it would make God look bad. It would make God look bad if we were living wicked lives and he was giving us the same rewards to the person that's on the paths of righteousness. It would make God look bad if I'm out robbing the bank, not you know, I'm living in immorality and the Lord is still blessing me financially. That would make God look bad. So well, what about people that are doing those things and good things happen to them? That's not the Lord blessing them. That's the devil blessing them. And let me tell you, there's a price that those people are going to pay. The devil can bless you too. You need to remember that. We don't want, we don't want his blessings. They, they, do, they come with a price tag that you'll find out what it's going to cost later. And you won't have a choice in whether or not you're going to have to pay pay out on that deal. And we need we need to remember this. We need to be searching diligently. Searching diligently in the scriptures. Lord, am I on the paths of righteousness? Am I following you? Am I following your example? Am I following your lead? Or am I just doing my own thing and thinking I can claim all the blessings? Sorry you can't do that. You know, my my kids who bear my name, so there's there's going to come a day when I won't be able to make them do anything anymore. But on one thing, while they're in my house, there's certain things I can make them do. And that day may come, I hope it doesn't, that day may come where they want to take a different path. My son, ever, I don't care if he's 21, if he ever shows up at my, at my house carrying a 24-pack of beer, that beer's going out, and if he doesn't like it, he can go out with it. That's not, not in my house. It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen, and I would. I would not allow that. I, it, 
And God's not going to do that either. It's like, and you know what? If, if He did that, I'd, I'd give Him the choice. Listen, I want you in my house. I want you to be here. I want you to live here. But you can't have that too. You're going to have to make the choice. And God does the same thing. God wants us. God's not wanting to throw anybody out. It would break my heart to do that. It would break, it would break my heart. And it breaks God's heart when He has to deal with us and when He has to punish us and when He can't give us those blessings. But at the same time, if we will forsake that, if we'll get rid of it, we can start claiming the blessings again. But we've got to get back on that path of righteousness. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Let's all stand together this morning.